Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, I can't tell you how great it is to just be back with everybody as we kick off the new year. As this is, you know, our first time together in 2023, hope everybody had a great new year. And uh, hey, I want to welcome and say a special welcome to our Oak Creek Franklin campus. Can we just give them a round of applause as they are joining us today? And um, hope you had a good new year there as well. And uh, let me ask you this, how many of you made some sort of New Year's resolution? Just, you know, some of you are like, I don't even remember. It's only been a week. How many you made? Yeah. How many of you are still going on your New Year's resolution? Oak Creek Franklin, how many? Well, if you are still going, you are in the 75% category right now as we, as we tip over week one. Uh, I did things a little different this year. I actually decided to make 12 of them. Okay, usually I make like one or two, but I thought the more I make, I mean, I'm bound to get one through, all right? So uh, I, I made 12 of them, uh, still going strong on 10 of them, so I, I'm doing okay, but hopefully you made a New Year's resolution, hopefully you had a great kickoff to your new year, and I'm really excited about just this new year and what God's gonna do uh, just, just through us a, as a church. Now, speaking of new year, I wanna kick off the new year by talking about something that impacts every single one of us, mental health. If I were to say to you, I want you to raise your hand if either you do or you know someone close to you who struggles with some sort of mental health related illnesses, I, I bet you every single one of us would, we, would pop our hand up, I bet. You know, I would pop both hands up. And the reason is, is because uh, there are people in, in my family, uh, my kids, uh, some of my kids have struggled with anxiety and depression in a, in a very, very significant way. And uh, personally, beginning of last year, uh, I had a hard time getting out of bed. My mind just wouldn't let me do it. And then physically, I felt very, very fatigued. And I later found out that I was diagnosed with mild depression. And in fact, it was just this week, I finally told some staff people about it. They never knew about it. I, I just hit it. And I just thought, this couldn't happen to me. Mental health is now being called the hidden epidemic. And the statistics uh, that we're seeing are, are just very troubling to say, the, say the least. Let me just share just a few of them with you. Uh, here's the first statistic that more than 50% will be diagnosed with some sort of mental health or disorder at some point in your life. Think about this, one out of every two. Here, here's another one that anxiety and depression are among the highest. And that hasn't changed over the last few years. In fact, those numbers just continue to skyrocket. Uh, one more. It's highest among students and young adults. And if you're a parent, you already know this because this is just, it's just spreading like wildfire through this next generation. Over the last few years, I can't tell you just the countless conversations I've had with people. And they've gone something like this. I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that, or, or my kid's struggling with this, or my student is struggling with that. And I, I pray and I, I seek God. I, I don't know what to do. I can't recover from this thing. I mean, what, what is this all about? The reality is, is that many of us look like we have it together on the outside. But on the inside, we're struggling with depression. We're struggling with anxiety. We're struggling with worry. We're struggling with burnout. Our mind is all over the place and we can't seem to control it. If you're struggling mentally, 
You just need to know that you're not alone and we're gonna spend the next few weeks talking about it. That's why we're kicking off today a brand new series that we're calling Rewire, a conversation about mental health. And over the next few weeks, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about things like, like burnout and silencing your negative thoughts and anxiety and worry, just to name a few. And we hope that this series is something so much more than just something that we talk about in an hour service during the week, but we wanna take it beyond that. Uh, one of the things that we're gonna do is that we know parents, as I shared those statistics with you with kids and students, uh, we're going we're gonna to provide some ways for you to equip you to talk about your kids and students about mental health. Uh, we've also put together a very robust resource page. Here's, here's the link to that resource page, and this is going to be growing. There's, there's counseling recommendations, there's articles, uh, there's devotions and different things on there. I want to encourage you to, to download or, or tap onto that resource page, and like I said, through the series, it'll continue to build. But here's what I want us to do to begin. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I am ready to rewire. Ready? Go for it. Oak Creek Franklin, go for it. I'm ready to rewire. <laughs> now, I want to acknowledge something that's hopefully the obvious. Uh, I am a pastor. I am not a medical expert. But I have done tons of research uh, on this stuff over the years. I work with one of the best Christian counselors in, in the area. And I have been in the trenches with this personally over the last five or six years. But because I'm not a medical expert, I'm going to talk about the spiritual side of this. And as you're going to see as we go throughout the series, uh, the spiritual side plays a big impact in all of this. Now, some of you might be wondering, what do you exactly mean when you talk about mental health? Well, mental health really consists of, of, of three main things. It consists of our emotional, our psychological, and our social well-being. And what you need to realize is, is that our mental health, much like our physical health, is not static. It's we can be doing really good uh, for a season, we can be really healthy, and then something happens in our life. Maybe there's a change in our body or there's a change in our circumstances. Maybe we experience a, tra a, a trauma of some way. And as a result, we were good and all of a sudden now we're not very good. Uh, I mentioned the, the mild depression that I was battling with last year. And as you looked at my life, everything was fine, everything was good. And then suddenly out of the blue one morning, I am fighting like heck just to get out of bed. And I think as we, as we talk about mental health, I mean, we know it's important. I mean, it's being talked about all over the place, but I don't think we realize specifically how important it really is. You see, our mental health is important because it impacts how we think, which then all of a sudden this is a domino effect for us. It impacts how we think, which then impacts how we feel, which then ultimately impacts how we act. And the reason why this is important is because this is the operating system that God has put in every one of us. I mean, this is how we function right here. So this means our mental health pretty much impacts every area of our life. It impacts how we relate to people or don't relate to people. It impacts how we handle stress. It, it impacts if we bounce back or don't bounce back from a difficult situation. It impacts our, the quality of our marriage or lack of quality in our marriage. It impacts how we, we parent our kids. I mean, it has a ripple effect across our entire life. And because there's so many misunderstandings about it, I thought today what I would do to kick off our series is I want to talk about what I'm calling three myths of mental health. And we all know what a myth is, right? I mean, a myth is something we believe that we later find out is not true. Recently, I was reading this article 
And the article was called uh, 50 Myths We All Believed Growing Up. And I thought it was kind of an interesting name for an article, you know? And so I'm reading through this thinking, who can believe this stuff, you know? Who believe this stuff? And I'm going through, I'm like, I like to believe 25% of this still, you know? I'm a little shocked. And so I picked out kind of three that I was a little stunned at, that I, I believed up to this point, okay? And I'm just gonna share with you the three that, that uh, really stood out to me. Here, here's the first myth. We only use 10% of our brain. Now, I, I, how many of you believe that? How many just wanna be honest that you still believe that? Oh, come on, I'm not the only one. I mean, yeah, one person. All right, one person. Oak Creek Franklin, I know everybody believed that there, I bet. No, so I, I'm going like, man, I taught my kids this, you know? I gotta like, go back this week and like, apologize to them, you know? Like, hey, you guys, you, 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 if you use 5%, I said this, if you use 5% more, just imagine how much smarter an impact you'll make, you know? And I realized, see, your study shows this. Study after study shows we use virtually every part of our brain. So here's myth number one. Here's myth number two. It takes seven years for your body to digest gum. <laughs> I'm like, are you stinking kidding me? I haven't chewed gum in years because of this stupid myth. Because I'm like, you know, I know I'll swallow it. And I don't want that thing walling around in my stomach for seven years, you know, and I told my kids, be careful not to chew gum because here's what's gonna happen to you and all that stuff. I'm like, man, but listen to this study. Our body can't digest gum at all, so it doesn't stay in your stomach. It moves quickly through your digestive system, and then it passes. Well, welcome bubble yum, because it's coming back to my life right now, you know? Last one, last one. It's safe to eat food that's been on the floor for what? Five seconds. What do we call it? The five-second rule, right? I mean, I've like I said, parented this. A couple weeks ago here in Greenfield, I was talking to this family. They had little kids and they were eating donuts, you know. And uh, one of the kids dropped some of the donut on the floor. And I said, dude, it's good. It's the five second rule, take it. And uh, the mom kind of looked at me like, and uh, mom, if you're here, I apologize because I really thought it was true. But bad news for me, here's what the study shows. Study in 2017, found that a substantial amount of bacteria is transferred to food within five seconds. So those are just some of the myths that we believe may be growing up, but there are also some myths when we talk about mental health. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna talk about three of them. And these myths, understand, they're gonna lay a foundation for where we go from here. And my prayer is, is that for some of you, this will provide some much needed freedom because these myths are actually adding shame to what you are already dealing with. Three myths, here's the first one. If you're a Jesus follower, then you shouldn't struggle with mental health. There's a belief out there that says, once you give your life to, to Jesus, then immediately he fixes everything and your problem and your life should be pain and problem free. It's like, I, your story should go, I made a decision to follow Jesus and all of a sudden my muscles got bigger or my credit score started to instantly increase, or my boss at work who is crazy and nuts is no longer crazy and nuts, or I, my marriage problems, my relational problems, my health problems, all gone. It's like Jesus just kind of waved a magic wand and now everything is good in my life. The problem is, what this belief is, is that all of a sudden when your life is not okay, then either something is wrong with you or it's wrong with Jesus. Yes, there's something wrong, 
but it's not with you and it's not with Jesus. What's wrong is, is that you believe something about following Jesus that Jesus himself never promised. In fact, on many occasions, he talked about the opposite. Uh, let me give you just one example. One time Jesus, he, he said this in, in John 16, he says, in this world you'll have what? Trouble, trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so Jesus never said, hey, follow me and your life is gonna be perfect and all your problems are gonna go away. In fact, time and time again, Jesus would say, follow me. And when pain and problems hit your life, you don't lose hope because I'll walk with you through whatever comes your way. You know, th this, this myth right here is why I think that there's a stigma attached to mental health and faith or mental health and, and the church. Because if you struggle with mental health and you don't think that you should, then in your mind, something must be wrong with you. And so what you'll go to, it's like, okay, is, is maybe I don't have enough faith or maybe I don't, I don't pray enough or if I pray a lot, maybe I'm not praying the right way or you know, maybe there's some sin in my life and uh, I, I, this, this problem is there because of the sin and if I just kind of get rid of that problem, then everything will be better again. The truth is, you can follow Jesus with all your heart and still battle depression. You can read your Bible every single day and still deal with anxiety. You cannot miss church for all of 2023 and even sit in the front row because you know you're closer, you get closer to God when you're sitting in the front row, you know? And you can even serve in the two-year-old room and still struggle to overcome trauma. Partially because you're probably serving in the two-year-old room, you know, who knows? <laughs> One of the things I love about the Bible is that many of the people in it are so relatable for us today. In fact, many of the men and women who we would consider heroes of the faith, many of them went through seasons where they struggled with mental illness in some way. Let me just give you a couple examples. Uh, in the Old Testament, there's a well-known prophet. His name is Elijah. And God just, if you read his story, God just did all this really cool stuff for him. I mean, such cool stuff that we would go, I would never doubt God if God did that in my life. Well, there's this one time that uh, he challenged 400 false prophets to, to a firefight, something I hope you don't do from here, okay? But the firefight was, he said, okay, I'll challenge you to see which God sends fire from heaven first. And so he lets them go first, and, uh, and, and they're doing all this crazy stuff to try to get fire, and, and Elijah starts to talk trash in such a cool way. He's like, dudes, maybe your God's relieving himself back there in the outhouse, you know? I mean, just some really cool trash-talking stuff. Well, eventually then Elijah's God sends fire, humiliates them. The very next day, Elijah goes, God, I don't want to live anymore. Take my life. David, King David, we know him as a warrior. He defeated Goliath. He's king. I mean, you look at his life, everything is good, right? You read through some of the things that he said in Psalms, and he wrote in Psalms, and you'll see that he battled with despair, constantly wondering if God had abandoned him. Another prophet, Jeremiah, well, every time I hear Jeremiah, I want to know Jeremiah was a bullfrog, you know, it kind of goes through my mind. But Jeremiah, he was actually known as a weeping prophet. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to be known as a weeping anything. You know, I want to be known as an MMA prophet or a linebacker prophet. But for Jeremiah, Jeremiah is well known as he was. Jeremiah struggled with insecurity and he cursed the day that he was born. And so if, if you struggle with, with mental health-related illnesses of some kind and you don't think you should and you don't know what to do, oftentimes the message in the church is, well, you just need more of God. You know what? You do need more of God. We, 
We all need more of God. But you know what else? You might need to sleep longer. Is that unspiritual? No, God designed us to. You know what else it might mean? It might mean you might need different friends. You're, you don't have any sort of community in your life. And as you're going to see, that many of the mental health-related statistics are attached to our lack of community. You have no one in your life that is encouraging you and fighting for you and praying for you. You know what you also might need? You might need to start a new hobby that helps you disconnect your mind because you are unable to disconnect your mind. You know, if you're struggling with mental health-related illnesses of any kind, and many of us are, and you're trying to take steps with God, and you're trying to walk with God, listen, it doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you or with Jesus. You know what it means? You're human. You're a human that lives in a fallen, broken world, and none of us are exempt from the impact of it. So, if you follow Jesus, the myth is you shouldn't struggle with mental health. Not true. Second myth, that we should separate our mental health from our faith, that they are not connected with each other in any way. You know, th this belief is, is really driven by our tendency, especially in this country, is to see our life in, in categories. It's like I have all these different categories in my life. You know, I have, I have my marriage, I have my dating life. If you have kids, you have, you know, you have your kids and you have all their activities and you have your career and your hobbies and school and finances and you have your faith. And while there's some overlap there, there's very little connection amongst all of them. As a result, we see our life as very disconnected. It's why for many of us that, that follow Jesus, Jesus has very little impact in all those other areas of our life because Jesus is just one category among many. I, I talked about this last year, but the word that Jesus used for soul, it's pretty fascinating. It's where we get our word psychology, which means soulology. But the word technically means this. It means whole. So for Jesus, the soul wasn't some immaterial part of us that when we die kind of floats away, you know, and goes who, who knows where, goes to heaven some kind. Or Jesus didn't see it that way. Here, here's how Jesus saw, uh, saw our soul. Your soul is the integration of the whole you. And so your soul includes your physical body, includes your mind, includes your will. The immaterial and material part of you wrapped together is your soul, which means this. God did not create us to be disconnected. And here's the thing, you already know this because you have a story in your life when you were sick or hurt and it impacted other parts of you. Uh, last November, I had what was just kind of everyone else seemed to have. I don't know if it was a stomach bug or whatever it was called. And so it took me out for, it took me out for about six days. And in fact, one of the days, I slept for 18 hours now, my wife and kids were happy, you know, but I wasn't really happy because it was just, it was really rugged. And here's the thing, it just didn't impact me physically. It impacted me mentally and it impacted me emotionally as well. Now, here's, here's what this means when it comes to our mental health. Some of our mental health-related illnesses and struggles. Now, I'm not talking about the medically diagnosed stuff, okay? This is a different, that's a different conversation altogether. But some of our mental health-related illnesses do you know what that means? Some of them are actually spiritually related. Let me give you some examples. For some of you right now, you're struggling with anxiety. And do you know why that is? It's because deep down, you're still wrestling with identity issues. Or you're carrying a weight that you were never meant to carry and it's having a ripple effect. Those things are spiritually related issues. Some of you are burned out right now. Do you know why you're burned out? 
because you are living at a pace that God never designed for you to live. And the solution to these things is that we need to tap into God's rhythms and ways he created us to live, which when we do, it just has this amazing ripple effect into every area of our life, including our mental health, because God's ways will always integrate us, not disconnect us. Let me just give you a, a kind of a personal example of this, kind of at, at, in a pastor level, so to speak. Research is showing that um, mental health in the pastor world is absolutely staggering right now. Uh, one study just came out, and it's, it's confirmed by other studies, that showed that as up to 40% of pastors right now are just thinking of quitting altogether. And much of it is driven by mental health related things. Uh, once again, as I, I talked about earlier, that uh, I've battled mental health things, including uh, mild depression. And at the time, I was already seeing a counselor. And let me just say, my counselor, he has earned his money with me and more than think. I, I think sometimes he's gonna write a book and it's gonna be like, you know, person X, you know, patient X. I'm like, man, it sounds like my story, you know? And, uh, I, it, he's, and he's great and it's been wonderful for me. Well, as I'm kind of going through this, the whole depression thing, he challenged me to ask some larger questions. And so I'm asking, okay, well, why might I struggling with this right now? And one of the things that popped out for me was at, in the church world across the country, probably across the world as well, but uh, over the last few years, people have just been jumping churches and leaving churches, quitting church, and not for spiritual reasons, even though they always mask them, because this is what Christians do, they always mask them in spiritual reasons, and they're not spiritual reasons, uh, but, but for unspiritual reasons. And so it's like people who you thought were with you, they turned on you, and they are no longer with you. And so you have a choice when you experience so much loss. The loss is you just kind of keep on going on and you kind of suck it up and tough it out and all that stuff, which I was doing. Little did I know it was having a ripple effect. Or God has put in some stuff into place that when we experience loss, there's an appropriate way to grieve those losses. And so I started to put, in that, put that into practice and I started to grieve some of those losses. And as I did that, guess what got easier to do for me? Get myself out of bed. I had to be willing to tap into some of those very things that God has built into uh, uh, rhythms he's built into creation and things he's put into practice that will allow us to deal with those very things and has a ripple effect on the rest of our life. I like to think of mental health. I like to think about this kind of picture. Maybe this will help. I like to think of mental health as like the check engine light in our car. Now, I don't know about you, but when the check engine light goes on in my car, I first ignore it, hoping it'll go away. And then I pray that it'll go away, and it never goes away. But what's the purpose? Think about this. What's the purpose of the check engine light in our car? The check engine light is there to let us know something is wrong, and it needs to be looked at. Things like anxiety and worry and depression and burnout, and you could just keep the list going, 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 going. It's our body and our mind telling us that something is wrong, and it needs to be looked at. And if we would be willing to put into practice the, the things that God has told us to put into place, once again, not from the medically diagnosed things, okay? It's a different, yet, even though it will impact that, we will see that it'll have a ripple effect on the rest of our life, because God will always bring our life to connect with one another, which means this, it'll improve our mental health. Throughout our series, we're actually gonna talk about some things that we can do when our check engine light goes on. 
Because as I said, God has put some things in place that'll help us to rewire our mind and rewire our body that'll help us through those things. Third and final myth. God doesn't care about your mental health. He doesn't care. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> have you looked at the world and what's going on in our world right now? There are so many bigger things going on in our world. I mean, God doesn't care about my anxiety or my depression or my worry issues or that I'm burned out, woe is me sort of thing. I mean, God doesn't care about that stuff. The problem with that is, is that when you read the Bible, especially the Psalms, you will discover that God not only cares about the world, but he cares very much about your world and my world. Let me just read you just a few examples of just how much God cares. Psalm 34. The Lord is close to the what? Brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed, literally overwhelmed in spirit. Now, we tend to think the opposite, right? It's like, hey, something bad happens to us. We have struggles, issues, whatever that may be. We're like, God abandoned, God is far. And then someone's like, no, no, actually, you've got it wrong. He's actually close. You're just not aware of it. Here's another example. God is our refuge and strength. Refuge is a place you run to and hide in trouble. It's where you find safety. He says, God is our refuge and strength in ever-present help in what? Trouble. There's the same word Jesus said, that God is ever-present in our troubles. Final one. Even though I walk through the what? Not great times, the darkest valley. I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they what? They comfort me. What's interesting is, is that any counselor will tell you that when you go through and we go through difficult, dark times, the thing that we need most is comfort. And what does the psalmist write? What is God going to give us? Exactly what we need the most, comfort. And that's just three examples. I, there's hundreds more I could give you that when we go through the most difficult, trying, painful times that God is there if we invite him into those situations. There are a lot of verses from the Psalms that people post on social media. They're, uh, they're, they're screensavers on phones. They're on coffee mugs. I want to read to you part of a Psalm that you will never see on any of these things. Psalm 88 is written by a guy named Haman. Now, not Heman, like the cartoon that maybe many of us grew up watching. Maybe some of you are still watching it. I don't know. But Heman was a, I mean, he was a guy that people looked up to. He was uh, very faithful to his family, was a committed parent. Uh, he was a very talented musician, was probably uh, up on stage leading worship uh, services that, at, at the temple. He was someone that was very faithful in his service to the king. And he was a guy that you would want to be your dad or father-in-law. And so Haman loved God. I'm going to read to you part of a psalm that he wrote, and just a little spoiler alert here. This is one of only two psalms that does not have a positive ending to it. And as I read it, I wonder how many of you can relate to what he says. You know, maybe it's how you feel now or you, you felt in the past, and because you felt that way, you felt like something was wrong with you because you felt that way. I'm going to read to you these, these words from Haman, part of Psalm 88. Here's what he says. He says, I'm overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to what death? I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave. And then listen to this. Whom you, and he's talking about God, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. 
It's like, God, where are you? Do you not give a rip what's going on right now? And then I want to read something in what, in what he wrote. And what, he actually got this right. That in his darkest time, he actually turns to God. Which, as I said earlier, when things get dark for us, we tend to do the opposite. But listen to what he writes. He says, but I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. He says, like, God, you're the first place that I turn. But even though he's reaching out to God, he's not finding peace or relief from God. And then he says this, why, Lord, do you, listen to these words, reject me and hide your face from me. It's like, God, I pray for you for help. Nothing changes. It's like, you don't care. And then this last verse, Listen to these words. These are such chilling words. Listen to what he says. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. This is written by someone who loved God. And this is in the Bible. And I love the fact that this doesn't have a positive ending because it shows us is that God is not afraid of our honesty. You know, I've talked to some people and they're like, oh, I could, I could never talk to God that way because I don't want to disrespect God. We don't disrespect God talking to God that way. We disrespect God by pretending. We connect with God by being honest, completely honest. And so that means that God knows that we may love him and yet question him at the same time. That we may worship him and yet be going through a difficult time and we may lash out with questions wondering, why is this happening to me and why aren't you stepping in? And we can do that because he cares. And because he cares, he cares about every aspect of our life. As we kick off a new year and a new series, the reality is, is that for many of us, we look like we have it all together on the outside, but we are struggling like crazy on the inside or we know someone close to us who is. And I just want to encourage you and I want to invite you, go with us as we go on this journey over the next few weeks. And there's just something about, I know we can't every week, there's just something about being around other people that is just, it's just sacred stuff. And so I want to encourage you to be here. And for some of you, you have people in your life, you're going, oh man, I know this is what they're struggling with. Maybe God wants to use you to influence them by inviting them to one of our services or maybe in Oak Creek Franklin. And as I wrap up my time, here, here's how I just want to kick off the series. I want to kick it off by giving God some space to work. A few months ago, uh, one of my kids was going through a very difficult time. And here, here's what I said to him. I said, in our darkest time, God does his best work, but he has to be invited to the party. This, this past week, has been nuts for me. I, I talked to four pastors alone who just are like, I just want to be done. I just want to be done. And the conversations I've had just with people, and we haven't even started the series, are just like, I just want relief. I just want something. I just want something. And what about my kids? I don't know what to do. With the sheer numbers that we have in our church, kids and students and all that stuff, um, as, as your pastor, I, you know, this is one of those topics for me that's a real burden topic. Uh, and my burden is for you. And you know what? It's a privilege to, be, to have you as a burden. And so I just thought as your pastor, I just want to pray over you, pray over our church, and really ask God to do something significant as we, as we go on this journey together and kick off the new year.
So let, let's, just, let's just pray together. Father, um, uh, we, as we talk about something like mental health, and sometimes it can just be this, this kind of ambiguous type thing where we just say, okay, God, what is it? And there's so much attached to it and we don't know what to do with that. And God, how do you fit into all this? And why haven't you done something or stepped in? And there's just questions and hurt and, and there's pain with it. And Father, um, as we talk about these myths, the bottom line is, is we want to invite you in. And it matters to you because we matter to you. And so, Father, I pray starting right now that maybe for those who've just kind of walled off their heart to you because, you know, all the stuff that's going on in their life right now, that they're just like, yeah, God doesn't care. He's, he's far. No, you're close to the brokenhearted and to those who are overwhelmed. And Father, even when it comes to something like this, we want to invite you in. God, uh, for those of us who have kids and students, we want to pray over our kids and students. And we want to pray that you do a significant work in their lives over the next couple of weeks. This generation is just being pounded. And you have different, God. And we're going to pray for different. God, for uh, those of us who are really wrestling with this right now, I would pray that your spirit would move powerfully, that breakthroughs would happen, that maybe applying some different things that you have for them, that we tap into your rhythms and your ways that you created us to live, that we'd have the courage to do that. And God, for those who have loved ones that are, God, we just lift them up to you and um, we thank you that we get to do this together, that we get to do this with you. And Father, the local church should be the best and the safest place to bring all of this to you and may that be the case over the next couple weeks. Thank you, God. I pray this over our church. I pray this over every individual person and family. God, thank you for the honor of being able to do this and do this together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Churches podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.